Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. Many of us make New Year's resolutions. We look at where we've been, what we've done, and we believe there's more. Maybe you tried, but things didn't turn out as you expected. Maybe you've stepped out in some areas and pursued dreams and a career and taken bold steps, but when it comes to our spiritual life, we tend to shy away. If you've ever asked the question, why me? Or wondered, what is spiritual life all about anyway? Well, join us for our conversation on Why Me? everybody welcome to grace life how are you guys doing good to see you want to welcome our guest especially glad to have you here here we go today's part three we started the series uh two weeks ago if you missed any of it it's online or on the app and and part one was answering the question when god says hey you could do this and we go why me i'm not qualified most of the time we're just listening to the enemy you're very qualified or you're qualified enough or God wouldn't have called you, right? I mean, come on, we, we've just got to stop the excuses. That's what part one was about. Stop listening to the enemy. Go do what God's called you to do. But then part two and then today we're going to finish with the other side of that coin. Sometimes we say, why me? I'm not qualified. And that is our reality. That's our reality. There are actually things standing in the way of us doing what God has called us to do. And so I left you last week with a very simple question. I'm going to start today with the exact same simple question. How long are you going to stay that way? If you know there's something about your life that is keeping you from doing all that God wants you to do, how long are you going to stay that way? So part two last week was called deal with your stuff. Because if we've got stuff that is keeping us from doing that, we need to deal with it. It might be a sin issue. It might be a character issue. It might be some brokenness in your soul. And if you need to, that's online. Go back and get that. Today we're going to deal with the other topic excuse there's two two main things that people will say when we're uh, they say I, I feel like God's called me to do this or I know I could do that but the the but is either the stuff that we talked about last week a, a character thing a sin thing or a brokenness thing or what we're gonna talk about today they say I just don't think I know the Bible well enough I, I, I'm just afraid like if I were to lead a group or, or to talk to a co-worker they might ask a question and, and I don't have the answer so look a couple of things I want you to know here first of all nobody knows the Bible well enough. Y'all with me? Nobody knows the Bible well enough. I, I look really good up here on Sundays, and, and not just because I'm wearing my really spiffy sneakers today. Not, not just, no, what I mean is I look really good when I talk about the Bible. And the reason is very simple. I know in advance what I'm going to talk about. I have the whole week to study those verses and to read what all of the scholars think about those verses. I have time to look at the Greek word or the Hebrew word or whatever is there. And I get up here and look like I know everything about the Bible. But if if you were to ever come in and hide my iPad and take away my notes and say, Today, Jimmy, you're going to talk about this verse. And if it's a verse I've never studied and never preached, I would be like, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. So here, you need to stop believing the lie of the enemy that everybody else knows the Bible and you're the one person who doesn't. Because, nobody knows the Bible well enough, except for like three nerds somewhere in seminary and that's all they do. They never even leave their office. That's just it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that was funny. Anyway, 
But here's the second thing, okay? Because we can learn the Bible better, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you're going to lead a group, and uh, you're going to talk to a coworker, you're going to uh, say something to a neighbor, and you're afraid that they may ask you a question you don't have the answer to, I'm going to give you a piece of wisdom that's just going to radically change your life forever. Here's what you turn to that person and say, I don't know. Try that with me, everybody. I don't know. There you go. Look, you can now lead a group. You can do anything. And you follow that up with, but I will get back to you. Try that with me. But I will get back to you. See, there you go. And you go and, and you send me an email. Or, or, or you, you do some of the things I'm going to teach you today, some of the tools that I'm going to give you, and, and you go and find the answers and you come back to them later. Nobody thinks that you know everything, by the way. You probably had a little ego issue there. Uh, if you actually believe somebody coming to your group thinks you know everything about the Bible. So if we can just all get on the same page, we can learn something about the Bible. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front. Today is just straightforward and simple, incredibly simple, and it's simple on purpose. If you go and do a study of the best athletes in the world, I mean the best, you think they would go to practice and do the most complicated things, but they don't. They do the most basic fundamentals every single day. And so in my experience as a pastor, I'm going to tell you that just a lot of us in the church, we've somehow missed some of these basic fundamentals about how we can learn the Bible better. And uh, so that's where we are. Um, I'm going to give you the why before I give you the what. And so you're going to get two lists today. Let me just go and tell you, today is a great day to take notes because we're going to have a lot on the screen. I'm going to give you a lot of really simple stuff, just point, point, point as we go. And uh, so when you came in, there was a card on your seat. I'm going to talk to you about the front of it in a little bit. Feel free to use the back of it for you to take notes because they will go exactly with what you're going to want to stick this in your Bible later on as we're doing this. But I'm going to give you the why behind the what. Why? Should you know the Bible? Why is the Bible important to us? And so real quickly, I'm going to give you four whys that the Bible matters to us. Number one, it teaches us how to live. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's four things that we get from the Word of God. The first one, teaching is just general instruction. Anything you need to know about life, it's there. The second one, rebuking, means that it tells us when we're headed the wrong direction. When you've turned left and you shouldn't have, the Bible is there to tell you that. But then the third one, correction, it's also there to say instead of turning left, turn right. And it'll tell you what you should be doing. And then the last one, number four, for training in righteousness. Again, righteousness is a big fancy word for right with God. It means teaching you how to do what God wants from you. It's all right there in Scripture. Scripture says it's going to give all of that general instruction, how to know when you're wrong, how to do what is right instead of what is wrong, and how to live the way that God wants you to live. Second thing, real simply, it works on our soul. This is the second why we should have the Bible in our lives. Here's what Hebrews says. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, this is a spiritual work. This is a spiritual work. As we read God's word, which is alive, as we just read that, something is, is speaking to us about ourselves. If you've ever sat down and taken some time and, and read some scripture, you probably had some of those moments where you go, oh. Oh, that's why I did that. Or oh, I didn't realize I did that. Or, oh, I need to work on that. Th those kind of moments. It is speaking to you about you in, in a way that nothing else ever will. It's a spiritual work. The third why is that it gives us hope. Look, here's the truth. If, if you've been alive 
any period of time, you've been disappointed by your circumstances. Something has not gone the way you wanted it to go. And, and so what we need to know is that hope does not come from our circumstances. You've heard me preach that if you've been here for any period of time. Hope doesn't come from our circumstances. Hope comes from the one who controls our circumstances. And so here's what scripture says. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Why would the scriptures give us hope? Well, because, for instance, just one example, Jesus says, look, as long as you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so what he's saying is as long as you're living on the broken side of of time, as long as you're living in this broken world, in this part of fallen creation, there are going to be difficulties because sin still reigns here. It, It still exists. But, but take heart, because I've overcome this. And, and this is not your real life. This is not your future. There's going to be a day when this is all gone, new heaven, new earth. Everything is restored. There's no more sickness. There's no more sin. And I've overcome what you're experiencing, and there's something better to come. He even actually uses the words when he talks about when we die and when we go to that eternal sort of part of life, he uses the words when you enter life. He doesn't even count this. This is, this is just like being a baby in the womb. And when you enter life, and so when you are having a really bad day, or when you're having a couple of bad years, you get hope by knowing this is not what it's all about because that's what the scriptures remind us of. That's what Jesus has taught us. That's just one example. And then the last why, the fourth why I'm going to give you is, is that it grounds us in truth. The simple truth is that many people have many things to say about God. All around the world, there are different philosophies, different ideas of who God is and what God is. And then the truth is, if you've been around Christians, if you're ever in a church, you're going to get people talking. And, and, and even people who would say they all believe in the same God of the Bible, they're going to give you some really different ideas about God. So how, where do we get the truth? How do we know what is right? Ephesians says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, that's set of beliefs, or by human cunning or by craftiness in deceitful schemes. See, it's the Bible that gives us truth. When we hear this and we hear that, what if either of those is wrong? Which one of them is right? How do we know truth? And especially young people, we, we live in a world today where one of the, the number one things of your generation is to discover your version of truth and to, to look and say, what is truth to me? But, but I just want to offer to you, uh, you don't get to determine truth. No generation has ever gotten to determine truth. God is the source of true, b- truth because God is true. It, it's all we have is to go to what he says there. Now, I, I'm not actually going to put it up as a point five, but as I was reviewing my notes this morning, I, I realized there, there really is another very big why. As a matter of fact, it's the most important why uh, the Bible should be the center of our lives for, for everything. And that is that this is the only way that we can ever get to know anything about God. You see, God created the world, and we were here, and he was there, and, and then there's the problem. We don't know anything about him. If you think about that at the very beginning, it's kind of a strange thought. And so God begins to reveal himself to people. And he, he does it through interactions with some guys. Maybe you've heard their names like Abraham or Moses. And, and the stories go on, and they wrote their stories down. And then the Holy Spirit would speak to other people, and they would write those things down. And so this is the only source we have of knowing who our God is. And I think that makes it the greatest why this, the Bible needs to be the centerpiece of our lives. So that was the why behind the what. It was very quick. I know that. 
But what I want to do now is get to answering the question, how can we know the Bible better? At least, how can we know the Bible well enough that we're willing to step out and do what God has called us to do and not let that be an excuse anymore? So we're going to start a new list. Another number one. You guys ready for this? Number one, hear it. Number one is to hear it. This is why preaching is the centerpiece of the church in the world today. Uh, if you were to go to a church service anywhere around the world, uh, the core amount of time is going to go to someone standing up and teaching the word. It, it wouldn't matter what the denomination is. It wouldn't matter which country you're in. As a matter of fact, if you were to come here and Greg were to never let me on the stage and he were just to keep playing, man, like they just take over the stage and the drummer starts beating louder and, and, and they don't let me talk, you, you would feel a little like something went wrong that day. Because we've just discovered that the importance of, of having the word taught by someone who has studied the word and someone who has learned how to teach the word. And they've studied a little Greek and a little bit of Hebrew and they've, they've done some other study. And so they're able to come to you and to bring to you what you're not going to get on your own. And they're going to help you understand things like context and history and the original intent of the language. And that is so useful because that's not stuff that we can always find on our own but it helps us to get the true meaning and hopefully you've you've seen me do that when, when I teach usually I'll say hey while you're turning to that let me explain what's going on and, and always try to set that context and that history so that we're getting what was actually meant not just what we might think we want it to mean now as, as I say that I'm going to tell you the truth one of my top three frustrations as a pastor is how incredibly short-lived my preaching is and I'm not talking about you guys because y'all are awesome. I'm talking about the first service. See, the people in the first service, they, they forget what I preach like by the time they go to lunch. You know what I'm saying? And y'all can laugh at them, right? Come on. They, they, they come in and they make an appointment with me like two weeks later and, and they're struggling with something. And as they're sitting there talking to me, I'm listening and thinking, the truth is like, I just preached on this a week ago. Like, were you not listening? But then God reminds me, it's a good thing, Jimmy. It's called job security. See, I'm, I'm going to get to come back every week because we, we, we listen, but we don't always do something with what we hear. And again, just you guys are awesome. It's just the, the first service, people that do this. But actually, we all do this. It's a human problem. Like, who in here has ever flown on an airplane? Now, keep your hand up if you truly paid attention to the person telling you what to do with those emergency procedures and how to put that mask on. Okay, three of you. That's good. We have some nerds in the room. Anyway, here's the problem. We hear, but we don't actually process it and apply it. And if you ever need to process it and apply it, it's going to be too late. Like at that point where you're like, oh my gosh, how do I put this mask on? Where's that lady to tell me? Oh, she just flew out the window. Oh no, what am I going to do? And it is so important that we, we move from just hearing it to doing something with what we hear, which leads us to point number two. We've got to apply it. We've got to apply it. The Bible says this, and James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Well, think about that. Don't just listen and deceive yourselves. Here's the truth. If we come in here week after week after week, we listen, but we don't process, and we don't do anything in our own lives to apply that, we are deceived. We are deceived because we think we're doing a good thing and we think we're making progress and we think we're becoming more like God because we're in this room and we hear someone talk at us. 
But look, come on, you guys know what it's like. I mean, we tune out when we watch TV. You tune out when you read a You ever read a book and you get to the bottom of the page and realize you don't know what was on that page? You got to go back and read that page again? Come on, we all do that. So I know you do it while I'm talking too. You know, I know that somewhere in the middle of this, you're, I'm going to have rice, cheese, ground beef. You know, you're, you've got your whole Chipotle thing already figured out. And then everybody else in the room laughs and you go, darn it, he told a funny and I didn't even hear it. Man, I can't believe that. It, it happens to all of us. It's a human problem to listen but not to apply. And so I want you to know, look, right now we're signing up for life groups. So this just happens to be a really well-timed commercial. This is why we do the kind of life groups we do. We have some life groups that have topics because you may need a topic in your life right now. But the overwhelming majority of our groups, they don't have topics. They are for you to get together in a small group, small enough to talk, face-to-face, and answer this question. What is God challenging you to do with what you heard Sunday? There is too much time and energy and effort that goes into this for you to not apply it to what God would have you do with your life. So we've got to apply it and not deceive ourselves. So if we are um, hearing it and if we're applying it, our next step is going to be to read it. I just showed you the scripture a minute ago. I'm going to show it to you again a little bit. Here it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, I'm going to give you one of those nerd moments if you'll allow me here. When you read your Bible, particularly the New Testament, and you come across the word, word. Y'all with me? When you come across the word, W-O-R-D. There are actually two different Greek words for that word. Now, your English will always say word, but there can be two different types of words. And when it's talking about the word of God, one of those is is logos. And what it means is that this is all logos. It is all true for all of us all the time. Did y'all get that? All true for all of us, all the time, it's logos. Any one of these you can turn to, and it's there, it's good for you, it's true. But then sometimes that Greek word is not logos, sometimes that Greek word is rhema. And and what that means is that it's specifically coming to life for you in this moment. And see, when you read scripture, you can get something that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that you won't get any other way. As a matter of fact, if you were in part two last week, I introduced part two by talking about a very famous verse, a verse that I had known for years, a verse that I've preached, a verse that I can quote, a verse that I've studied, a verse that I've even told God he needed to do a better job at. So it's a very familiar verse to me, but I, that made it logos. You with me? It's, it's, it's there all the time, always true. But what I shared with you last week was how somebody was sharing this verse and it hit me in a way it never had before. It was Ephesians 3.20 that says, To him who is able to do far more than we can imagine. And for the first time in all the times I've ever heard it, read it, or thought about it, it became a rhema word to me. It came alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, okay, wait a minute. If he's able to do more than I can imagine, but he's not doing more than I can imagine, uh-oh, there's something to me that needs to change. And if you miss that, you can go back and get part two. But do you understand the difference in when it's all there, it's always true, but then there's a moment where you read something and it just comes to life to you. But if you don't read it, that opportunity's not there. And let me just share one more thought with you. If if you were to commit to say, I will never miss a Sunday, Jimmy. I'm going to do this career with you 
And if I said, I am going to do a 30-year career preaching, you're never going to miss a Sunday, I'm never going to take vacation for more than six days, and I'll never do it on a Sunday, so you and I are going to be together every Sunday, 52 times 30. And, and, and for you, what I'm going to do is open up right here to, to the first thing, and I'm going to go verse by verse as much as I can fit in in 30 minutes every week. I would not finish in 30 years, which means you would never hear all of the Bible. You will never hear all of the Bible by preachers. That is why reading it is so important. There is stuff in here that no one has time to preach you every word of, but you on your own can go and let the Holy Spirit bring it to life. Is that making sense? You guys with me? So what I want to do is, as we go through this, I'm going to give you some resources to make this really practical. Again, I got a friend of mine when he's preaching, he says, today we're putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. Because we want everybody to have one. So here you go. I'm putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. Check out right here. A couple of resources to help you read the Bible. The first one, this is on your phone if you want to get it. It's the most downloaded app all around the world for uh, the Bible and Christian resources. It's called Version, Like you see it, they're a version for you. And uh, it's, it looks like that, the Holy Bible app. And it's uh, totally free. And, and here's the thing, though. It's got virtually every version of the Bible, and it's got over a thousand reading guides. Uh, it, the resources are just crazy what all it can do. And, and so you can say, I want to read through the Bible in a year. It's got a, a guide for that. And, and it'll text you every day what you need to read today and, and even read it to you in the car while you're driving for those of us that get up a little late and we're running out the door and like, oh no, what am I going to do? It, it'll read to you while you're going. You may say, I just want to read the, the stories of Jesus in, in three months. It's got a reading guide for that. You may say, you know, I've, I've heard that the Bible is not in chronological order. You heard correctly. So I want to read it in chronological order. It's got a guide for that. It's got whatever you need, and it will just give it to you right there on your phone or your laptop or whatever every single day. The second one I want to give you, though, is newer, and it's called the Read Scripture app. And what's really cool about this is it is partnered with another group called the Bible Project. I'll come back to that in a minute, though. And the Bible Project is a group of people who have made videos explaining the Bible. So finally, it makes sense to people, right? You know? And so what they do is they have partnered what you're going to read that day with a video that explains it before you read it. Come on, y'all. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? You ever read the Bible and you're like, what the heck was that? You know, but imagine if you get the roadmap first, you get a video, like you don't even have to read, just a video, and it's going to tell you what's going on, then you read it, it makes so much more sense, and that's a, a much newer um, app, I want to recommend that to you there as well. Okay, so we are hearing it, we are applying it, we are reading it, and next comes study it, because when we read the Bible, sometimes we have questions, and you need to just stop, take an extra two minutes. Do a little research. And look, there are some amazing tools out there. Google is out there. Just type, what does this verse mean? I mean, you're, you're going to get a couple of different answers, so hopefully you'll weed through them a little bit. But I've brought something here to, to kind of guide you today and help you. As a, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, some Bibles are, are much thicker. And I don't know if you've wondered if it's because someone dropped theirs in water or something. It kind of <laughs> swelled up or something like that. No, actually, the, the fat Bibles are for the, the more spiritual ones as they walk in the church. Okay, so that's enough being funny. Um, here's the deal. This is the Bible. Uh, this is the full Bible, the complete Bible. Sometimes it even gets bigger if you make the font size bigger because you're over 43 and you need reading glasses. Um, and so, the, look, this is all of the Bible right here. And this is the exact same version. Why is it so much thicker? This is what's called a study Bible. 
And, and I think every believer should, should have a study Bible because sometimes you're reading a verse and, and you're like, what in the world is that? Like you come across a verse that says, and Leviathan did, you're like, what's a Leviathan? I don't even know what that is. But a study Bible, what it has is a, a small portion of each page is scripture and the rest of it is telling you about that scripture. So you can just look down at the bottom and get some answers. It's got maps, it's got history, it's got all kinds of, of studies and, and all sorts of stuff. And what you need to know is that there are a slew of different types of study Bibles out there. And every study Bible is different meaning a different scholar wrote each one. So I'm just telling you that up front. No matter which one you buy, it's, uh, the notes are by a different person. The Bible is by God. The notes are by different scholars that all have their own uh, types of research and so forth. You guys with me on that? But I, I'm going to recommend to you mine. This is the one, it's just called the ESV Study Bible. And we'll come back to what ESV means in just a minute if you're new to that. The reason I like this one is because I think, out of all the ones I've seen, it gives the absolute best research. Uh, it is newer, which means it has more current research from archaeology and some things like that. But my favorite reason for it is because when a verse has debated meanings, you know, sometimes one church thinks that way and another denomination thinks that way, they don't just tell you what they think, they tell you all the options and let you choose. And I think it's more informative for you to know that there's two or three ways to look at this, and then you get to make that choice, and it helps you with that. So again, the ESV Study Bible, if you're ever looking for one, and, and, and that's the reason people have that. And so as you're studying it, though, we, we also gave you this little card, as I told you, it was on your seat when you came in, because in order for the Bible to make sense, uh, we just tried to make this as simple as we can. This is the whole Bible right here in front of you. And the sentence at the very top explains the, what's going on the entire Bible. I don't care which part of the Bible you turn to, this is what's happening. If you look at that sentence with me, it says, God reveals himself to creation, God reveals his plan for creation. And then at the very beginning, by chapter 3 of the first book, creation breaks. And everything else that we see in the Bible is God saving and restoring his creation and God revealing himself to his creation. It's that, that's it. For the entire Bible, that's what's going on. And so now when you read the Bible and you look at something, you can say, oh, this is a part of creation breaking. Or you can say, oh, this is, this is God saving his creation. Oh, this is God telling us who he is. It's that simple. That's what's happening in the Bible. And so then we've broken it down into sections. And so if you just have this in your Bible, if you open it up that morning, you say, oh, I'm reading in this section right here. There's one sentence to tell you what that whole section of the Bible is really trying to accomplish. We just want to make this as simple and helpful as we can. And one other thing I want to uh, uh, throw out there is that when you read the Bible, have you ever noticed there are little letters after a Bible verse, and you're, you're always, maybe somebody's wondered those. I know somebody's wondered because people tell us all the time. Matter of fact, uh, Chris, if you guys would, would you put up a Bible verse? doesn't matter what it is, anything there. And if you guys look at the bottom here, this one we just looked at, says Hebrews 4 dot dot 12 NLT. And true story, a pastor friend of mine was just telling this story. He, he preached, and when he got done preaching, and he was in the Bible Belt, so he, he was a little surprised by this in the Bible Belt, because everybody thinks everybody knows everything about the, the Bible, but we don't, right? I mean, let's just be honest, we don't. And, and a, a girl came up to him as he walked off stage and said, what is the dot dot for? Uh, she, she, she had never heard of the dot dot there, the colon. And so I know that there are people in the room, this is new, and don't feel bad. Uh, the truth is, uh, there are some of us who have grown up in church all the years and, and just never asked. Somebody came to me after first service, actually came to Patrice after our first service, and, and said, thank you for explaining this, because I never knew, but I would have never asked. 
right? So here's the deal. When we divide the Bible up, in order for us to all read it at the same time, it's been divided into 66 different books. And the first thing you see up there in this case, Hebrews, is, is the person that it was either written to or the person who wrote it. Usually that's where the name comes from. So that would get us all in the same book of the Bible. But what if we need to read a smaller section together? The first number is the chapter. That book will be divided into chapters. And then the dot dot is just a colon because after the colon on the other side is, is that chapter being divided up into smaller sections almost sentences not exactly always but it's called verses and so you've got the book of the bible the chapter and the verses and then that helps you get onto the exact same sentence together frank and i want to read it together i'll say frank we're both be in hebrews we're both going to be in chapter four and we're both going to be in verse 12 and then after you've seen all that you've seen some letters that in this case says nlt on my stand right here says esv maybe you've seen kjv and maybe you've seen nas or bsb and uh, it just goes on right there, there's just all sorts of these and so let me make this as simple as i can we have one set and we use the word set but we have one set of original manuscripts that everything comes from so there's greek and there's hebrew and they're thousands of years old and, and they're there but then what has happened for those thousands of years is that the English has been changed many times. Because there was one written in the 1600s, that's the King James, and it does a lot of thine and thou's and this and those. And some of us say, well, I don't even understand that. I mean, you couldn't order a burrito using that language, so how can you begin to read the Old Testament in that? You know what I'm saying? Uh, thou would like to for thine uh, cheese and uh, riceth. And, well, you know, I mean, you, you can't do it, right? So look, so then it got updated, and then another one got updated. And, and it's simply because some people said, hey, you know what? People are struggling to read the Bible, so let's make one in seventh grade reading level, while one of them is in the junior of high school reading level. That's the only difference. So look, if you get an English Bible, they're all good, they're they're all from the same Greek and Hebrew, and you can trust them all. So you just go and find the one that works best for you. Uh, little hint, obviously, this is the one I use the most, is the ESV right there. It, it just happens to be my preference. It's not more godly. It's not more perfect. If it's an English Bible you can read, God bless you, read it. Everybody with me? All right, so there we go. Whoo, boy, that was a lot. Let me give you two last resources here as we're talking about study of the Bible. One of these is a website called openbible.info. Uh, here because what you can do if you're ever studying the Bible and wondering like what do I, I do to learn more about the Bible um, you can go to this website right here and type in a word we typed in the word faith for you today you could type in money you could type in marriage you could type in men in the Bible women in the Bible uh, whatever you want to and it's going to give you a ton of verses about that topic so you can study it so if you've got to lead a, a men's group on something, you've got to lead a women's group, your neighbor says, hey, I don't know this about the Bible, and you said, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. You go to openbible.info, and you type in their question, and you'll, you'll get some Bible verses that will help you. And a second one here is called The Bible Project, and uh, I told you about this a little earlier. This is a, a whole site full of uh, the most incredible creative videos explaining the Bible. And your kids will love them. So, so just watch them, and, and uh, there's some that explain the whole Bible, some that will explain one book at a time. And suddenly, the Bible will not be such a strange uh, uh, book to you as we use some of these resources. And so then, the fifth one of how we can learn the Bible well enough is memorize it. Memorize it. You see, there are some key truths that we need to know in our lives. Some things about God that we, we want to remember, and, and we want to walk around and think about these thoughts. And so sometimes it just helps to memorize it. 
And, and how, how can we do what God would have us do if we don't know it when we step away from it? So, for instance, the Bible says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The truth is, and I'm not trying to beat us up, but we just have to be honest as Americans. The Western church doesn't memorize a lot. Maybe it's because we have so many resources and so much in writing and so much on our phone that a lot of us, uh, we don't know what's in here. There's a group that we work with, we're doing evangelism with, and I, I can't say where because this is recorded and on the internet, but it's, it's in places where Muslims are, are turning to Jesus. And in this group of house churches that we're working with, as these Muslims become followers, the very first thing they do when they put the Quran away and they pick up the Bible is they memorize the book of Luke. And then they memorize the book of Acts. They want to know everything Jesus said, and they want to know everything believers did. And they memorize those too. So you will come across believers in these places that used to be Muslims. They've only been followers of Jesus for six months, and they can recite word for word two books of the Bible. And the truth is, we're probably not quite there. But I would encourage you to begin. And there's, look, if you want to memorize the whole Bible, I'm sure God's going to be, you know, just thumbs up on that one, you know what I mean? But I, there's, there's no right or wrong. I, I think it's more to, to find some key verses that help you with life, especially if you're dealing with a certain issue maybe you're feeling a lack of hope go find some verses on hope maybe you're struggling with an issue and go find verses on that when i was in college my college campus pastor told me to to write on an index card and memorize those and i've still got those today they're, they're kind of dingy and old but i've got a whole stack of index cards i used to just carry around in my pocket because, you know, when you're in college, you've got five minutes waiting on a professor to show up or, you know, something going on or your friend's late and, you're, you know, you're waiting on the bus or whatever it is. And you've just got time. You can redeem the time. And the truth is we still have time that's lost today. You, you go to the dentist and they're late. You've got an appointment with someone and they text you. They're on the way. You don't have enough time to start something new, but you've got three minutes. And so we redeem our time, redeem our time with Candy Crush and Facebook and what if we actually redeemed it instead? What if we actually did something with it that would begin to transform us? And so, you know, a lot of us think memorizing is like studying for a science test in the uh, ninth grade. And it, it doesn't have to be like that. If you just put it in front of you over and over and over, maybe put it on your home screen on your phone, something like that. It, it's not as hard as we think. And I'm going to close with the sixth one, but the sixth one trumps all the others before it goes on the screen. I want you to understand that the first five I just gave you on how to learn the Bible so that you can do what God's called you to do, none of those five matter if you don't get number six. It shouldn't really be number six. It should just stand alone by itself. So don't miss this, but this is a very important. It is how you approach the Bible. It's how you approach the Bible. You see, I understand that there are people who have questions about the Bible. And I'm going to just go ahead and, and give you a little commercial. This summer, we're going to do a series. We're, we're already researching the series. I've got uh, a retired scientist, apologetics specialist, who is uh, my research assistant. And we're going to do a series on how you can believe the Bible and not check your brains at the door. Uh, we're, we're going to help you understand how uh, science and history and archaeology all come together. And, and the Bible is a reliable source in your life. But some of you may have questions about that right now. I understand but I'll be honest, as a pastor, the majority of the people I run into are not people that are saying, yeah, but what about this? Science says, most people say, yeah, I believe the Bible is God's word. And then they don't do it. 
So the first thing that we need to do to approach the Bible is to decide its place in our lives. If you believe the Bible is God's revelation to you, and, and it's what he wants from you, and it's an expression of who he is, then you've got to decide if something in there challenges your way of life, what are you going to do about that? And so we've got to approach it with humility. We've got to approach it as though it's an authority in our lives. And then I'm going to use one more word. I would approach it with an invitation. Every day when I sit down to read the Bible, I begin with a very simple little prayer. And, and I've heard people use lots of different versions of this, so it's not a per you can do whatever you want. But I just say, God, open my heart to your word. And open your word to my heart. It's the same thing backwards, because it's a two-way street. I, I want the word to come to life, and I want my heart to be soft. So I just say, God, open my heart to your word, open your word to my heart. Sometimes I say it in the other order, because it's, it's not magic. You guys with me? But my hope so far today is that I've, I've laid out what should be just incredibly simple for us to be able to bring the Bible into our lives, to make it the centerpiece of who we are and what we do, so that you'll never again say, I, I, I can't, God, because I don't know the Bible good enough. I want us to take that excuse off the table. Amen? You guys with me? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much that you have not left us in the dark. That you have given us a revelation of who you are. That you've told us exactly what you want from life. That you've given us a way to have hope and, and a way to have faith and a way to know truth. And the list goes on. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray for all of us in the room right now, God, that we would approach your word with humility that we would let your word be our authority and that we would begin to just take one step after another to, to read it and, and to apply it and, and to talk about what we're hearing and to study when we have a question. God, help us learn your word so that we can do what you've called us to do. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you who have yet to make Jesus your king, to surrender the earthly life that you've lived focused on you for the one that God has that is eternal and so much larger that's focused on him the simple truth is there's only one book in the entire world that has an answer for our struggle because see every person has sinned no one has ever lived a perfect life and so everyone is trying to figure out how can I be right with God and there's one book it's the Bible and it tells us the truth about God, that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die. That his death paid for our sins so that you and I could live. And that he was raised from the dead so that we too can have eternal life. And if you've never had that interaction, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, but right where you're seated, would you just pray something like this to yourselves and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and now I want to live for you I thank you that you love me I thank you that I'm forgiven and my simple prayer here today is that you give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom amen let's celebrate with those people everybody amen
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.